be looking at these first four verses of uh, John chapter 1, the beginning of John's letter. I'm not going to read them again, but focus your attention there as we go through that. If you've ever seen an ad or heard something said that it's new and improved, you know that those very words, new and improved, can cause a subtle but but serious stirring within that leads to doubts of uncertainty or feelings of discontent or a desire for something different, which is why it's a favorite tactic of of marketing for so many products. You're just getting new to a uh, used to a new smartphone that you got when you signed on with a new carrier and you see that all of a sudden you see the ads start coming up for the next version that's coming out or this carrier that's offering a better deal or better coverage and suddenly you can find yourself beginning to to question or to doubt the choice you made or growing increasingly confused about well, what is really true? Is this really better? Is it not? Or, or uh, what's really real? And you might be feeling like you're missing out on something that is actually best. Well, and, and you begin to think, how do I know? And more importantly, how do you know that you know? And so it is in the world of consumer marketing. But when it comes to, to the truth and to the reality about God and what it means to, to know God and what it means to live in fellowship with God, Jesus made it very clear that what is really real and what is truly true is Him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. In other words, when it comes to knowing the way to God and understanding the truth of God and and receiving life from God, it's not a matter of of choosing between different options so that that all basically accomplish the same thing. It's not a matter of of what belief system or worldview gives you better coverage for your sins or or, uh, a clear connection to the divine. Jesus himself leaves no room for that. There's only one name, only one person, only one power who can, that can guarantee forgiveness of sins and true eternal life in fellowship and joy with God and with his people, and that is Jesus. The gospel makes the exclusive claim that Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, came into the world as, as fully man to save us from sin and bring us to God. And as John makes it clear in his letter, there is no other name under heaven by which we can know the true and the living God. But is it really that simple? Could there be something else? Could there be something better? Is Christianity constantly evolving such that there are new and improved versions that take into account broader perspectives that are more in step with contemporary culture that might make life make a little more sense or be a little easier or or go a little deeper? Maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering, can I really know God and, and how can I know that I truly know Him? Maybe you believe the gospel and, and are trusting Christ and have for a long time, but, but still sometimes you struggle with that issue of assurance. Or you hear some new perspective or different teaching and, and that certainty may be shaken a bit. Well, the letter that John is writing is addressed to a church that was facing those same kind of struggles. Letters written by the Apostle John, the same author who wrote the gospel, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and who at the time of writing this letter is, is an old man. He's towards the end of his days. 
And he's writing to believers some 50 or 60 years removed from the events of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And during that time, the church, the young church, has faced its share of trials and persecution from those outside. But it's also begun to deal with certain misrepresentations, certain distortions of the gospel that's coming from within the church itself. Paul had warned the the elders in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 that savage wolves would come even from their own midst seeking to lead people astray. And now John is writing to deal with some of these deceptive false teachers who are offering up a, a new and improved Christianity, which in reality was not Christianity at all, and it was causing some to stray from the truth. And that false teaching that John's addressing is what was known at the time as Gnosticism. It comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And and the Gnostics were, were offering up this first real philosophical distortion to Christianity, a kind of blend of, of Greek rationalism that was focused on the, the mind and, and Eastern mysticism focused on the spiritual experience. And it was it was really rooted in an attempt to make Christianity more contemporary, more up-to-date and in step with the current philosophy and culture of the times. And this in turn led, some, one, of the, one of the versions of it denied that, that God had come in the flesh because it created this dualism between, between the spiritual and the physical, saying the spiritual was good and the, and the physical or material was evil. And, and so um, one part of it denied that Jesus had appeared to uh, or, or had come actually in the flesh. And this turn, in turn led some to question the seriousness and even the reality of sin and the need for an atonement. And this, this new and improved Christianity was causing confusion, doubt, and questions in the church about what is truly true, what is really real. And John sets out in this very pastoral letter that we read, like a loving father, writing to encourage and assure his dear children, of what is real and true. In fact, he states the overall purpose of his letter in that last chapter, chapter 5, where he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. John wants us to know. He wants us to have assurance. He wants us to be confident that we, we know the truth, that we are walking in the way, that we have eternal life that is found in Jesus alone. And throughout his letter, he lays out various truths and various tests by which we can know and, and measure the reality of our relationship with God and recognize and avoid the false claims of a new and improved gospel. And the challenges really are no less significant for us in the church today. While there are very blatant and easily recognizable deviations from from the truth of the gospel, there are also subtle errors that that consistently arise from within that may appear to offer uh, a new perspective or more enlightened understanding of the gospel that actually serve to undermine the very foundation of our faith and can subtly lead us astray from the life and the light and the love of God as he's revealed in Christ. And so John begins his letter by diving passionately into the fundamental truth that is at the very core of Christianity, of what is really real, what is truly true, and that is that God came down to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, the word of life manifested to us in the flesh, 
And the first step in knowing that you have eternal life is knowing the one who is life, the word of life, and that is Jesus. And that what, that's what concerns John in these opening verses as he's opening up this letter. And that's what he'll come back to again and again as we, as we go through it, so much of which echoes his, his teaching in John's gospel. And so John begins with kind of a a personal testimony of his own knowledge and experience. And he he wants to remind us of three important truths as he's laying the, the groundwork for our assurance through this letter. He wants to remind us who we know, how we know him, and what are the results of knowing him. Who we know, how we know, and what are the results of knowing him. So let's look at those very quickly. John opens up with words that recall the opening of his gospel. Remember back in the Gospel of John, beginning chapter 1, verse 1, he writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. It becomes quite evident as John goes on there that this Word, which he says became flesh and dwelt among us, is none other than Jesus Christ. The revelation and the full manifestation of of God himself. And, And here John reiterates that truth by saying, That which was from the beginning. That which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The first thing that that John wants to be sure to remind us about is this one who we know is not just some Johnny come lately. He's not just another prophet to enter onto the stage of history. He's not just another great religious teacher to learn from or a moral example to follow or another political revolutionary to get behind. John reminds us Jesus is, is that which was from the beginning. Not just the beginning of his life here on earth, but from the, from the beginning, before the very creation of the earth itself. He was not just with God, he is God. He reminds us that God is not some mysterious being hiding out there in the universe, waiting for us to somehow discover the, the secret knowledge or unlock some spiritual code that holds the secret to knowing him and to his truth. God has revealed himself. He has manifested himself to us. God has appeared. He has illumined the darkness of our understanding by by revealing the light of his glory in the face, in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word of life, he said, who was from the beginning and was with the Father and has now been made manifest to us. In him, God has entered into our world. He's taken on our flesh and bone. He was raised by parents. He he grew up in a neighborhood. He played in the streets. He walked the roads. He ate when he was hungry. He slept when he was tired. He went fishing and he told stories and he worked in a carpenter shop and he enjoyed good friends. He laughed at jokes. He cried at funerals. He played with children. He had compassion for the sick and exposed the proud and the powerful. He spent time with the lonely. He befriended the outcast. He was tempted and tried. He suffered pain and persecution. John starts with saying, God does not remain far off. He has drawn near. He has manifested himself in a way that could be seen and heard and considered 
and observed and touched and felt in a way that we can truly know him. And notice what he says. He says, this one we know is life. He is life. Indeed, he is the eternal life. Again, he echoes the theme of his his gospel where he says of Jesus, in him was life and this life was the light of men. Over and over, John, both in his gospel and as we heard in this letter, point to, to God the Father and Jesus the Son as the source of life, of light, of love. He is life as it was created and designed to be and therefore, he says, he who has the Son has life. He is the light of what is true and good and right. And therefore, those who know him, he says, will walk in the light of what is true and of his righteousness. He is love that comes from a perfect father. And so those who know him will love. Not just the father, but one another as brothers and sisters who are united in him. See, Jesus is the embodiment of the life and the light and the love of God. And he comes into this world that we might know him. And that we might live in the life and in the light and in the love that God has revealed. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the truth of the gospel is that real life, true life, eternal life, has been manifest to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And as John says later on, those who who don't profess that Jesus has come in the flesh, they are not from God. We can know that we have that life as we know Him. But then how do we know Him? It's not just who you know, how do you know Him? One of the things that is unmistakable in these verses is that John had a, a very real, personal, up-close experience and relationship with Jesus. His and, the, and the, the other disciples, their knowledge did not come secondhand. It was not something that they, they just discovered in a book or just appeared to them in a dream or a vision. Although, although they had both the scriptures and various revelations of 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 God to them but his knowledge was real and his, John's knowledge was real it was personal it was face to face life on life interaction with Jesus it involved all of his senses he uses this plural pronoun here that the we have seen we have heard him and seen him and touched him so that it was not only him but also the other disciples as well as many others and he says he says we have literally Lived up front and close with him. And John's reminding us, he wants us to realize that there's no doubt about the fact that Jesus, the divine word of life, is as real and as true and as knowable in every sense of the word as the person sitting right next to you right now. Jesus is not just a theological construct that John is trying to, to capture in some relevant illustration. He is tangible, credible, objective, living, a reality that is literally up close and personal. And for three years, John and the other disciples experienced that. They lived with and followed Jesus. They sat just like you're sitting there and they listened to him, him teach and preach the truth of the God's kingdom. 
They watched as he ministered to all kinds of people, as he welcomed children, as he went over to to have dinner with, with the religious leaders as well as with the social outcasts of his day. They saw him do amazing things, walking on water and momentarily appearing in the glory of God on the mountain. He stood and watched as he was brutally nailed to the cross. He leaned against his chest when he, they dined together at the last Passover meal. And he, like the others, touched his resurrected body as he appeared to them in the upper room. Now you may be thinking, well, of course, John can say that. He was there. We're two centuries too late. Excuse me, two millennia too late. We can't know that Jesus is real in that kind of personal manner. We cannot know or experience him like John did. Or can we? I never met my great-grandfather. He died a long time before I was born. But I've heard stories about him from my, my grandfather and from my father who knew him who saw him, who spoke with him, who spent time with him. I've seen pictures of him. I've read letters that he wrote to his wife. There is a a witness to the reality of who he was and what he said and where he lived and what kind of person he was and what he did that makes it such that I can say with a great degree of confidence and assurance that I know my great-grandfather. Even more so, God, through the eyewitness testimony and experience of those who heard and saw and touched and interacted with Jesus, has preserved for us in his word these accounts. And John says, this this word of life, which we have seen and heard and touched, which God has made manifest in the flesh to us, we now proclaim to you. Through this witness, through this testimony, through this proclamation of the gospel, the credible accounts of not just John, but of others who knew Jesus personally and witnessed his life and ministry. Those who were moved by God's spirit to to write it down in their own accounts and, and pull together into this one harmonious, unified account of his life and teaching uh, and, and revelation that we have in the scriptures. In which now by the power of the Spirit of God we can hear and see and feel the person and the presence of Jesus Christ in a manner in which we can beyond a shadow of a doubt say, we know him. We know him. It wasn't just the physical nearness and presence of Jesus that changed John and the other disciples either. It was ultimately a personal spiritual encounter of faith. They heard and saw and touched and as a result they believed. Such that even when he was no longer with them, he gave his spirit to be with and in them and they staked their lives on the undeniable truth that Jesus was God in the flesh and that he lived and was crucified for sin, that he rose again from the dead and is alive and reigning even now in heaven. And they gave themselves to the proclamation of that truth so that John says without reservation, that which I know, I now proclaim to you that you can know as well. 
And Jesus is just as alive, just as present, just as able to be known by us as he was by John. Through the proclamation of the gospel of who Jesus was and what he had done, as recorded by those who heard and saw him touched him, Jesus now by the power of his spirit is at work in us and he manifests himself to you and to me in such a way that we have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to believe in him. And as we do, we have a real, intimate, reliable, personal, credible encounter such that we know him as if he were sitting right here with us. And the way we know that is what we hear and see and experience in the testimony of the gospel that we know to be true. You know, it's possible to know a lot about Christianity but not know Christ. I'm an example. I was raised in the church. I knew all the right stuff to say. I would have even said throughout all of my life that I believed it to be true. But there came a time in my life through, through various people who I, I knew truly knew Jesus in a way that I didn't. And as they, they began to share and proclaim the truth of, of what they knew and the truth of the gospel, and as they began to help me see the testimony of the gospel more clearly, suddenly I began to, to see and hear Jesus in the scriptures. And, and, and I saw in him, in the accounts of scripture, uh, the, the reality of who he was and what he's done. And I began to, to be able to talk with him in prayer and know that he was there. I desired to know him more and more. And after that, as I began to encounter those who might challenge my beliefs or teach things that threatened in some way what I knew to be true about him, I might not have all the answers, but you could no more convince me and you can no more convince me now that I do not know Jesus and that he is who he says he is and what, done what he says he's done than you could convince me that I don't know the members of my own family. It's not a matter of blind faith. It's a matter of real relationship. Who we know is Jesus, the Son of God, who was from the beginning and is the word of life and the source of eternal life. And we know we know him by hearing and seeing and believing in him through the proclamation and testimony of the gospel as God takes his spirit and works in us to see and hear and believe. And knowing him results in life transformation. We'll look at some of those profound changes in the weeks ahead as we go through this book. But in these verses, John highlights two in particular. He says the first is fellowship. That word fellowship, it means to, to have something in common, to share a bond, to be united in a particular way in relationship. And John says, we, bro- we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, namely Jesus, the word of life, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus brings us into communion, into intimate personal relationship with the God of the universe. To be in fellowship with someone means that that relationship is, is constantly growing, always moving uh, in, in, in intimacy and growing in, in deeper ways. And through Jesus, suddenly we begin to know God in a way that, that his heart is open to us and our heart is open to him. His truth begins to to grab a hold of us and his values start to become our values. The things he desires and and loves start to rub off on us 
and we begin to share those things and desire to love what he loves, we start to be more attentive to what he says in his word and we begin to live and shape our lives around his will and his instructions. Fellowship with God means that we're able to, to come to him anytime for anything and know that he is there with us and for us. And John said that relationship, that, that fellowship with God and with his son Jesus also brings us into fellowship with one another, those who know him. Jesus brings us into new community, and that community is this community of faith, the church, the body of Christ. The common bond that we share in knowing Christ leads us to share a common faith, common concerns, a common purpose. And knowing Jesus draws us into a fellowship and a union with others that goes deeper than, than any other thing that may unite us. And it's that bond, and it, it, it is a bond that when lived out in the way that we love each other and care for each other and serve and pray together and lived according to God's truth confirms that indeed we have fellowship with God. We know Christ and he knows us. You can't have one without the other. You can't claim to have fellowship with God and not be in fellowship with his people. You can't claim to know God who is light and yet walk in the darkness of sin. You can't say you love God, but hate your brother or sister sitting next to you. John says, we proclaim this to you so that you might have fellowship with us and with the Father and with the Son. And then he says, such fellowship results in joy, true and lasting joy. True joy comes in knowing that you know God, in living that out together in communion and community with one another in the body of Christ. Jesus came not just to give us life, but to fill us with his joy. The joy of knowing and loving and living in fellowship with him and with his people. Happiness is not found in the newest and latest thing, but it's found in a person. He who is from the beginning, the word of life, Jesus Christ. So how do you know that you know? How do you know that you know God and that you have eternal life? Well, it starts by knowing Jesus. It starts by knowing the, the, the living God manifested to us in a way that we can know him. The word of life made flesh, the one who has lived among us, who, who has walked in our shoes, who has borne upon himself the wrath for our sin, who has died and been buried and risen again from the grave and now proclaimed in the gospel that we might have true fellowship and joy with God and with one another in the community of Christ. That's the core. <laughs> that knowledge comes through a personal encounter with Jesus by faith. It comes by hearing and seeing and experiencing Jesus in the testimony of God's word as one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever and is with us and walks with us even now. You know him as you trust your life to him. And as you live your life in communion and fellowship with him and with one another in the body of Christ. And so the rest of John's letter will be devoted to, to unpacking what that knowledge, what that fellowship, what that joy in Jesus looks like and, and how it impacts who we are and how we think and how we need to be careful not to be deceived into thinking it's something else. But it starts with the reality that Jesus has made himself known. God has made himself known. In his son Jesus. He has shown up. He's manifested 
himself to us. And he who has heard and seen and touched, who lived and died and rose again from the dead, that we might, might have life, is here right now, manifesting himself to you and me this morning, in the gospel, in the proclamation of the truth of God's word. And he invites you to know him. He invites you to trust him. He invites you to enter into true fellowship and joy with him. So more than anything, don't leave here this morning without hearing and believing and receiving and entering into that fellowship, that joy that is life eternal in Christ Jesus. It really is simple. (laughs) Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. That which we have heard and seen and experienced ourselves concerning the word of life, we proclaim to you that you might know that you have eternal life and you might have fellowship with God, the Father, and with His Son and with us as the body of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, which is truth. We thank you for revealing yourself to us, Lord Jesus, as the word of life. Life that is the light of all men and shines in the darkness. That we can hear and see and observe and contemplate and yes, even even touch and sense by faith the realities of who you are and what you have done because your spirit is in us. And so Father, I pray that you would enable each of us here to know beyond a shadow of a doubt with certainty, with assurance that we know you and that we have eternal life. And then Lord, as we go forth, would we live that out together in fellowship with you and with one another. Lord, teach us in these in these days and weeks ahead and even this morning from hearing this letter read what it means to walk in the light, to live in the love, to experience the eternal life that you have given us through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.